Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This edition of the Patriots Report is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and the championship game. BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts today. On the Patriots Report, it's Eric at home, draft insider for NFL.com. Eric has broken down the prospects for us, and he has a lot for us to think about, both from a New England perspective and a league-wide angle. We also talk about the Mac Jones-Bill Belichick news and what it might mean for the Patriots when it comes to draft weekend, where New England's priorities should lie this time around, the possibility of BC Zay Flowers coming to the Patriots, and who the Panthers are going to take if they end up sticking at number one. That's all up right now on the Patriots Report. Let's start with this. The last 36 hours or so, it's been all Mac Jones and Bill Belichick all the time. I don't know if I buy into the idea, you know, strictly speaking, shopping, because mm-hmm. there were no specifics involved with it. There was no statement saying, well, Bill is not just shopping him. He's looking for a second round pick in return. Right. You know, there were no details there. What I want to get from you is that if the Patriots all of a sudden shock all of us, I think one way for them to show that their legs to this thing is if they pick a, a quarterback, if they shock us all and pick a quarterback in the second round or third round or whatever, sure. who could theoretically come in and be a part of that conversation. Is there a guy out there in this year's draft? And I'm not talking about a Bryce Young, but right. is there a second round guy, not unlike Jimmy Garoppolo nine years ago, who theoretically fits what they might want to do in Foxborough? It's a great question. And you could argue, obviously, you know, Bailey Zappi is on the roster. He did play. And I mean, he has to be at least included in that mix. Although, you know, the fact that they didn't really consider going back to him again, maybe puts him at a certain level like that, you know, that Colt McCoy backup level where he'll be around for a decade and whatnot, or Brian Hoyer in, in, in New England, whatever. But I think the obvious one would be to start with one of the ones they worked out with in the East West Shrine game, which would be Dorian uh, Thompson Robinson, who is unusual. He's different than than what you have already with Mac and and what you have with uh, with with Zappy. But you know, of the guys on that 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 West team roster that they had out there, he's one who intrigues me. You know, they've obviously kind of dabbled with uh, a couple of athletic quarterbacks. You know, I mean, are guys who. You know, you you maybe could picture in a slightly different role. Obviously, it didn't work out great with Cam Newton. Um, you know, there was there have been other quarterbacks. Obviously, they brought in Lamar Jackson for a pre-draft visit. I think that surprised some people at the time. Um, and you even hear, you know, uh, Lamar's name tossed around now with New England as a possibility. But realistically, I mean, he's one that you'd have to consider. I, I think, obviously, you know, Stetson Bennett is somebody who – maybe check some of the boxes from both an athletic standpoint. He's, he's an underrated athlete in that regard, a late round standpoint in the sense that, you know, he's not going before the fourth. I can't imagine he would, um, but also team success, right? He led the, the Georgia team that 
Bill's drafted quite heavily the last several years. Feels like he has a good relationship with Kirby Smart. You know, that's a name that, that could make some sense as well. And there, Jake Hayner from Fresno State would certainly be more in the Mac Bailey Zappy spectrum, if you will. So there are definitely some day three options for them if they are so inclined. And, you know, they have a decent amount of picks. And I don't know that they, even though I might disagree, I don't know that they feel like, oh, we've got to use every single one of them and it has to be filling a need for this year. And so it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if they took another, because you remember they took uh, Garoppolo one year and at the end of round two and then doubled back the next year with Jacoby Brissett, which mm-hmm. was a little surprising, I think, at the time. And maybe you end up seeing something quite similar with, at that time, Brady's future unknown, now Brack, uh, Mac Jones's future unknown. I, I want to make two things really clear, too, and, and we can continue to talk about this if you want, but the idea that we're we're not talking about them drafting someone to come in and start in week one. Correct. And with the understanding that, look, there would be other moves here this offseason. Maybe this is a prelude to them, you know, setting the stage for uh, a move for Lamar Jackson or or something else. But just given their history and given the way they approach things, given the fact that they like drafting quarterbacks, whether developmental quarterbacks or, you know, a late round camp arm or whatever the case may be, these are all names that at least are, are part of the conversation right now if you want to go down that road, I don't think it's going to happen because again, I, there, there was no talk, at least initially, as we sit here right now on what yeah. April 5th, there's no talk of Bill saying, well, you know, I'll, I'll take a number two. There were no specifics attached to this rumor. And, and I think that shopping is a nebulous enough phrase, That's especially right. when you talk about Bill's relationship with Josh and Nick Casario, the Raiders and the Texans, two of the teams involved in this, apparently, that PFT could kind of walk it back if, if this whole thing ends up blowing up. Sure. Right. And who's to say that? You know, Josh McDaniels maybe seeing an opportunity here because essentially Garoppolo's on a one-year deal. We know his injury history. They they have to bring in another quarterback one way or the other. I, I really firmly believe that it could be a veteran like Mac, who he's worked with before and had pretty good success with, or it could be with the number seven pick in the draft. You know, the Raiders have done a lot of work. We know the Texans have two picks in the top 12. They're on the quarterback lookout. There has been this vibe out there. And again, I'm just talking more from the league perspective, but this vibe that maybe Houston isn't totally locked into a quarterback at two, you know, that, that, that maybe they think is the smarter play. If we're not totally sold on one of these guys, especially if it's the second pick, right. The second uh, quarterback option out there. If our first one is gone at number one, maybe you go the cheaper route. Mm -hmm. You don't spend as much to, to get another uh, option at QB and and look, Bobby Slowick, who's their new offensive coordinator, came from San Francisco. What did we hear after the Niners traded up from you know to the third pick in the draft? The initial rumor was that Mac Jones was the guy they yeah. wanted, not Trey Lance. Yeah. So you could see how a San Francisco, and I believe there was some truth to that. I think there were people in that building that thought Mac was the guy. So I think it's it's fair to say that there could be interest from from Vegas, interest from Houston, interest from possibly other teams knowing that max value has been depressed and they can get him a little bit cheaper. And Hey, he was only one year removed from a (laughs) pro bowl season, right? I mean, whatever that's worth as a rookie, but still he played all right. All right. I want to downshift a little bit toward Patriots and specifically draft stuff. And the last time we had you on here was probably a month plus ago Mm -hmm. uh, before the combine, if memory serves. And I want to ask you, what, if anything, 
have the Patriots done over the last month or so that's caused you to change your opinion on how they might approach this year's draft? Yeah, that's a good question. It hasn't really been this sort of shocking flurry of moves, obviously adding, you know, Juju at receivers, uh, you know, notable, but they also let one, a pretty good one out the door. Some say it's an upgrade. Some would argue that it's, you know, it's a one for one trade or something like that. Whatever you want to say. I think they got about the same money if I, if I don't, um, if I recall. So, all right. Has that really altered the situation that much at receiver? I don't know. I don't think they're as gung ho about getting one as some people want them to be. But offensive tackle, uh, what is it, Calvin Anderson and and uh, Riley Reef. Riley Reef. Okay, so options, you know, possible swing tackle for both guys, possible starter for both guys. Again, it's it's a layer of insurance, but it's not exactly cranking up the talent level. Reef's not the same guy he was when he when he first came out, or even a couple years into the league. So. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe they've signed a corner unless I'm forgetting somebody. No, or... no. The the, yeah. the the big discussion in the secondary, at least as it relates to the guys coming back, Jonathan Jones came back. That's true, and right. The possibility of Jalen Mills at safety mm-hmm. and then some other individual at corner, whether Jack Jones has reached a point where they believe in him enough to be a to be an everyday corner, whether yeah. Marcus Jones can can help out in that regard, or if they end up going out and drafting one. Yeah. And I think, you know, it would be smart to bring in a versatile DB who can, you know, possibly project to safety corner nickel, a couple of the names that, that fit Brian branch from Alabama certainly would be one. I think he fits kind of the Belichick mold, maybe not as great an athlete as you, you would hope for at that spot, but instincts, I think help give him a a quick step and get him moving towards his target uh, a little faster than his, his Ross would. Jatavius Martin is a kid from Illinois that I think the Patriots would be very interested in in terms of, you know, a possible projection to a number of spots. Devin McCourty is the last first round corner they've selected. Now, obviously, he moved to to safety a few years ago, and I I looked that stat up for my last mock draft that I did. So, um, you know, I think the, the thinking was he could be a corner for us. He could be a safety for us. Maybe he's both. Obviously, settles in as a free safety, becomes one of the best of his generation. Martin's the kind of the same where you've seen him play on the outside. You've seen him play in the nickel. You've seen him play at safety. He was overshadowed by guys like Devin Witherspoon, who, who's a first round pick this year. Uh, he's somebody who I think could, could make a lot of sense. And there are others too. So I think it makes very, it would be very prudent to add at least one, if not two defensive backs, especially with the extra picks they have. One of the more intriguing theories up here, at least, is Jonathan or John Lyons from New England Football Journal was on mm-hmm. with me last week, and he suggested the idea of moving Jonathan Jones to free safety. You know, he does have experience back there. He is a veteran in the defensive program. Yep. You could do a lot worse than the idea of putting him back at free safety, at least, you know, if you can't go out and find another one. I, I, I can see it. Absolutely. It makes sense. And and obviously they're known for, you know, versatile defensive backs, guys who can do different roles and things like that. I think they, they've obviously not had quite as much of that in recent years, but you know, if you get to a point, it's, it, it's probably going to depend how the draft unfolds, right? If, if, if a great corner that you love falls to you at 14, then absolutely the move should be either, you know, Jones or, um, uh, why am I forgetting the other one we just talked about? Uh, moving to safety. Um, uh, the, hmm. the 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 uh, Jalen Mills. 
Mills, thank you. Yeah, I just yeah. blanked on his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Staring into space here. But yeah, moving one of those guys to safety would make a ton of sense. If you feel like, boy, this is somebody that, that could step in right away. We know that's tough, obviously. I mean, they they put a lot of stress on on the the knowledge and the and the X's and O's part of the game back there. You gotta stay sharp. You have to be able to play man defense, things like that. So, you know, you don't know how it's gonna fold out, but I absolutely could see that being a, a possibility. Your latest from earlier this week on NFL.com had the 10 teams that needed to nail the draft. Mm. And because we're looking at this through a New England lens and they weren't in the top 10, give me some context as to where you believe the Patriots stand maybe in relation to those 10 teams that you listed. Yeah, I, I wrote that uh, and it, you know, it probably a couple days before it ended up getting posted. And I didn't even, I, I guess now I'm looking back like, boy, don't the Patriots really need a great draft? So <laughs> there were three or four others that, that certainly since I've written that, I think you could easily shoehorn in there the, the top 13 teams, but yeah, no, it really makes sense that they're at a crossroads. I think everybody can, can firmly see that. I guess there were some obvious, you know, hope coming off a playoff appearance, even if you got blown out by the Bills, that okay, we're we're at least competitive now. Let's let's get back to where we were, you know, for for most of the last decade or whatever. But last year obviously undercut all that, and I don't necessarily think that okay, Bill O'Brien coming back is just going to be the magic wand, and and now everything's good. So yeah, this, you know, this draft in light of a free agency period where they they've kind of, you know, made little little pawn moves and, uh, you know, sort of move their, their Bishop up a couple spots, but, you know, retreated a little too. I mean, it's, it hasn't been an aggressive off season at this point. I thought they might get involved in Jalen Ramsey. I thought they might get involved in, uh, you know, one of the offensive tackle options that were out there. So, you know, maybe receiver as well. There's no question that, that Patriots fans are kind of champing at the bit a little bit here to see, all right, what's next, right? We do have something else in store. It may not be Lamar Jackson fireworks, but it's got to be something that changes the, the, the vector of this team right now. Mm -hmm. You see the jets on the, on the, on the, on the rise, you see the bills at least flatlining from where they've been, which has been one of the better teams, in the AFC. And you see the dolphins adding Ramsey and, uh, you know, assuming a healthy two to a project to be a pretty good football team this year. So I, I can see where the anxiety would come in as a Patriots fan, you know, used to off seasons where, you know, either you made a flurry of moves or you felt like you didn't need to, because this, mm -hmm. the structure was already in place. Feels like this is a year. If there is going to be a big trade around the draft and maybe not a Lamar Jackson seismic trade, right. but, but one of those moves, like back when they would get, a, you know, a Garrett Blunt, you know, a, a veteran of need at a you know at, at an area where they really could use some depth, they could use mm -hmm. some star power, whatever the case may be. So, look, I, I do know that I, I would put the Patriots in your also receiving votes category in the right. top ten, but <laughs> yeah. I would also keep an eye on them as a as a trade. You know, as as you know, when it comes to being the center of trade action. So, I, yep. I look, I think it's going to be intriguing regardless. Like you've said before, they have more picks. They also have the 14th pick overall. Yeah, one of the highest picks in Belichick's history in New England. I think it's the third highest pick, either third or fourth highest pick, if memory serves. Um, want to ask you about a specific guy because there's a little buzz up here. Obviously, given his background at Boston College, yeah, Patriots with a position need a wide receiver. What do you think of Zay Flowers as a potential Patriot? There was a tweet from Schefter on Tuesday that said he was scheduled to meet with the Patriots today, Wednesday. It feels like if they want to get him now they're going to need to use a first round pick on him. Yep. I think so. Um, I think coming into the season, 
He was viewed as a top 50 possibility. Um, size was obviously a, a hindrance. Um, and little did we know that, you know, BC would kind of fall off. Obviously, they've been, you know, competitive when Jeff Halfley arrived. And um, and first of all, the fact that he stayed, I think, earns some, some credit. Uh, the fact that uh, a, a, at least two dozen teams probably lined up and said, we'll give you NIL money, come on elsewhere. But he stayed loyal to Boston College. I know that went over well with – uh, a lot of people that I've talked to throughout the process and for him to go out there and, and, and have a career year uh, with, with Phil Jerkovich not playing well and, and being injured and things like that. And um, I thought it was pretty remarkable. It was clear that he was the one player you had to worry about on Boston college last year. And uh, you know, they, they tried, you know, the kitchen sink and try to get him the football. And, and, and for the most part it worked. And there were times where I said to myself, boy, are we looking at Antonio Brown here? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's that good. Let's 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 be careful. But in terms of size, usage, the way he moves, mm-hmm. that kind of sudden little herky jerky moves, and be able to sink your hips and and show that sudden explosion. That's really what matters. I think what the fear is with a guy like Jordan Addison, who's a little smaller actually and a little lighter, um, is that is he that rare explosive ability? See, we've seen it with Flowers, who ran a four four, who had pretty good jumping numbers you know, good burst off the line. He can be used in a variety of ways, but I think he's primarily a slot. Now in new England, I started thinking about it, boy, they don't really have that guy anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? They don't really have that guy. Yeah, it is. And it's going to be interesting. And this leads to a a bigger conversation. If, if they do take flowers and they might move around in the top, top first round, whatever, whatever. whatever. but if they do end up landing him, it's going to be an intriguing receiver room because there's going to be someone on the outs there's going to be someone whether it's Tyquan Thornton you know I, I think you like Devontae Parker enough you know do you you know what happens to Kendrick Bourne these these questions involving Z- it, the possible addition to Zay Flowers it's not all that it, you know impressive a receiver room but you know yeah. someone's got to go if you do add a guy like Zay Flowers I would think Bourne makes a lot of sense now obviously I don't I don't know the all the ins and outs of it. it. Seemed like he and maybe Patricia and other people. I correct me if I'm wrong. I it just seemed like there was a disconnect there with yeah. the coaching staff. Yeah. I, if if some of those coaches are still there, that could still be an issue. But what about a place like Houston, right? I mean, you're bringing the San Francisco system to Houston. Obviously, Casario. There's a connection there. Uh, you know, born pr- previously played there. They know how to use them. They need receivers. I'm just throwing that out there. It's not a rumor I've heard, but. I think somebody like that would make a lot of sense in a place like the Texans where, you know, they just, they need bodies right now at, at receiver and he would be a pretty serviceable one. So, I mean, yeah, that, that would, I, to me that if you had a top three of, well, I would say of the bigger receivers, I guess, uh, Parker Smith, Schuster, Tyquan Thornton, and then Thornton and flowers can be your, your hybrid guys inside mm-hmm. or outside. That's pretty good with Gasecki, yeah. yeah, you know, and and Hunter Henry and and Ramondre Stevenson and, and, and Ramondre, yeah. yeah. And, and I'd th- love to see a receiving back. I really would love to see that Kevin Falk type come back to this offense, but we'll see. I don't know how they're going to address that. That's not a bad group. And then you have my guy Tankdell, and you you are you feel good about where you are offensively, at least on paper. Yeah, and and yet you know it's interesting too. They've also looked at 
one of the positions or two of the positions that I was a little bit surprised to hear them kind of interviewing a lot of people at the combine and visiting pro days and stuff, running back and edge rusher. Mm-hmm. You know, you think edge rusher, okay, they're in pretty good shape there. Like if one falls to him, great, whatever. Same thing with running back. Okay, you you, you take a chance on, on James Robinson behind Ramondre, and you still have the two kids you drafted last year. But they're looking at guys like Kendra Miller and, and Izzy Abanaconda and, you know, that kind of first and second down option type too. And they're looking at some edge rushers too. So there's, I mean – like to your point, I think the skill position group is good enough. If that kind of thing happens, mm-hmm. I would then worry, okay, is the blocking good enough? Is, are you, are you having enough faith or are you having too much faith rather uh, in a new scheme and a new offensive line coach to, to clean that up? Well, that's, that's another interesting, really intriguing thing for me here. And something I thought about the other day that it's hard to project these guys in this offense because the offense really, I think, is going to change a lot, not just from a scheme perspective, but from a blocking perspective. How difficult can it be to project a guy into a new offense or a new scheme or a new system as opposed to the one the Patriots were running for 20-something years before last year? Now, granted, you do have Bill O'Brien coming back, so you do have some sort of framework as to what it could possibly look like, but still, there is a bit of an unknown there. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that's one of the more interesting questions. You know, as you're you're evaluating offensive linemen and say, "Well, he can't do this." Well, how do you know? Well, he's never done it before. Well, that's not a complete answer, right? That's part of it. Size and movement skill is obviously part of it. How quick do they learn and pick up things? But yeah, that's a general overview of how how teams look at. Okay, guy who came from zone blocking offense, but we think he's going to project to the the more gap blocking for you know reasons X, Y, and Z. Sometimes you can have success with those and nobody even notices. Like no one talks about it after the draft. So yeah, it, it can be seamless, but it also could be tough as we saw last year when you're switching and trying to be something that you're not built for, the personnel doesn't match. You know, you're having to mix too many different things and change too many different players. So that's one of the biggest things I think as they, as they come in is, is getting that blocking right because it, it fuels the run game and protects your quarterback. Obviously it, it varies from guy to guy and team to team and situation to situation, but do we make too much of pre-draft on-site visits? I, I don't look too many at the specific players. I mean, I obviously do like quarterbacks, especially, you know, or if, if, uh, if you see a certain type of receiver or a certain type of corner, that's going to interest me or whatever positions that have a big variance of size and speed and whatnot but I tend to just look at how many of what positions they're interviewing and they're never complete lists. Sorry. These guys, teams can sneak in players and ask their agents not to broadcast it and whatnot. Don't put it on social media. Um, You know, I think the, the Patriots sneaked in Nate Solder for a visit on the eve of the draft or whatever. And, you know, they didn't want that out there for good reason. So, but if you look and see, all right, they have, they have 30 pre-draft visits and 18 of them have been on offensive linemen. Well, that gives you a pretty good indication. Yeah. They are they yeah. are looking at that spot. So that's kind of what I look generically at a team is how many of a certain position are they kind of looking at? One of the things, too, that I remember when Nick Casario telling us one year here in New England was that a lot of times pre-draft visits are not so much for their own intel, but for that. But for but for scheming, because we know that this guy is going to go to the Jets or the Bills <laughs> or the Dolphins. We're going to face him twice a year. We want to know what he can do and what he can't do. Yeah, I think a couple years ago, the Patriots brought in 
a few players, I'm tr- I forget where they were picking around 15 or so. They, they picked it. They were bringing in Jalen Waddle and they had other players who were definitely going to go before that pick. And I think it definitely fits in with what you're saying. Either they want to, they want to pick the brain of a player they suspect they're going to go up against and watch film with them and see what they like and don't like, or they're going to, they're going to bring them in and ask them about their teammates. Maybe they really love one of the guys that they played with and they really want to get the the not the dirt but the the goods on on who that guy is and and exhaust every you know uh, option to to try to do so so yeah it, 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 you set these visits up for a variety of reasons and and I firmly believe that's a smart way to go about it do you have a favorite draft story this year maybe not necessarily the best player oh. or a first round guy yeah, that's a but someone question. we can all root for like a human interest story that beats all the others that we know that that we're going to stay glued to the TV on day three, because we're going to know where this guy's going to end up going. We're going to want to know where this guy ends up going. It's a fantastic question. It's usually one I'm very prepared for. Like I, I love those kinds of stories. Like, wow. You know, he, he donated his, his liver to his brother and you know, who had cancer. I mean, like goodness, you know, who doesn't applaud that kind of a story. It's hard not to root for those kind of guys. There are some some great examples of those kinds of things, but nothing that immediately scream. There's no Shaquem Griffin in this class, exactly. right? Yeah. You know, there, there's not that one story that, you know, outside of the big name players, the big school players, the quarterbacks that everybody's dialed in for, at least not for a positive reason. We have like Jalen Carter and things like that and tracking those kinds of stories or injured players, but Wow, I feel like I'm 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 naked up here. I don't have an answer for you. I I should be able to come up with something better than that, but I'm I'm, I'm sadly unprepared. Well, <laughs> how sorry. about how about this? In place of that, is there a guy who, and we've talked about guys like this before, a late round potential Patriot that we should keep an eye out for, whether he's a left footed punter or a former <laughs> college lacrosse star, yeah, or a long snapper from the Navy? Is there a guy who you can point us to? that just screams prospect out of a Belichick fever dream this year. Yeah. Okay. So I think, and I don't want to say this with a hundred percent certainty, you you know, we always hit on the lax thing, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a lacrosse guy or you're on Belichick's radar, obviously, you know, Navy, I mean, there's, you know, Nashville, there's a few that check those boxes, right? (laughs) But, uh, I, I think Payne Durham from, from Purdue would, would kind of qualify because I believe he was a lacrosse player prior to his senior year. And I think he switched to football or s- stopped playing lacrosse. One of the two, I don't remember exactly. But, uh, you know, you could see this guy kind of come up through his career and there were little flashes or whatever. And But it wasn't really till this last year that I felt like he kind of put his, his work together. And he showed up down at the – he's a tight end from Purdue who's – not fast, but he's an inline guy who plays hard and he's got really good body control and he'll go up and make those contested catches and, you know, plays with a little zest to him and, and blocks with some fervor too. And so I, I think that's a, that's a possible connection right there. I mean, he's got the, especially with Hunter Henry a year out from free agency, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you bring him in one year and replace him the next, that kind of a thing. I could see somebody like, like Payne Durham fitting in a new England. If Carolina sticks at number one, who are they taking? I know there's been this Bryce Young smoke lately, but I still think it's CJ Stroud. That's just been my gut since like the minute the trade happened. I had no intel on it. I hadn't talked to Carolina. I had, but not about the quarterback situation. And I, I just didn't know. And I, but I kept thinking, I, I think because of what Frank typically likes, Frank Reich likes in a quarterback, 
um, knowing a little about Josh McCown and and his background and what he kind of likes and things like that. I just felt like CJ checked off more boxes. I think they were willing to to buy some time to to look more into Anthony Richardson. I think he, they wanted to love him, but yeah. I think they just fell a little short. This is my guess. I again, this is based on a collection of of information, but not anything directly from them. Uh, but I think it's Stroud. So what do you have coming up between now and the draft? And how can I'm, people follow you on social media? Yeah, social uh, Twitter's uh, Eric with a C underscore Edholm, E-D-H-O-L-M, and NFL.com. Check that out. Uh, and also, I've got my top 100 list coming out. Uh, it's going to – we've got, as of right now, I think eight new names from my last top 100. So I've swapped out a few guys based on pro days and injury things and, and moves other dudes around. So – Still in the process. We got it. We're still in the works before we can get that one polished off. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, man. Let's pick this up again yeah. after after the draft. And we could talk yes. about the we could do a postmortem on the Patriots draft. We can also take a look at some league-wide stuff and maybe yep. a few uh, undrafted free agents who uh, caught your eye. Would love it. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. You got it. My pleasure. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. One more reminder, this episode of the Patriots Report has been brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four, and the championship game. BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.